Hello and welcome to the latest PSG Talking Podcast. My name is Ed and on today's show we're going to be doing things just a little bit different. We're going to start with a short monologue from me on PSG's transfer strategy and then we'll welcome in two guests for a one-on-one style interview. But first, let's get into what's on my mind when it comes to PSG. Throughout this podcast, you're, you're going to hear a lot about transfers and how they fit with the club. And a lot of the names aren't that sexy, or at least not as sexy as the names have been maybe in the past couple transfer windows. Um, Bernardo Silva and Harry Kane might be the, the two most noteworthy players linked with the move to PSG, but... It, it seems unlikely that either will call Paris home, both because of the transfer fee involved and maybe their unwillingness to, to come to PSG. As PSG supporters, we have to be okay with the lack of headline-making signings. We've had that several years now, and where did it get us? PSG had Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all leading the attack the last two seasons, and the club went out in the round of 16 of the Champions League in back-to-back seasons. We even had Sergio Ramos, on defense, he couldn't help. Gianluigi Donnarumma uh, was thought to be the best young goalkeeper in Europe. He's been largely disappointing uh, during his time at Paris. So signing the big-name players that everyone knows for big money doesn't always work out. And at PSG, as fans, we've seen this firsthand. PSG has routinely won, and I use that in quotation marks, won the transfer window. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win important trophies building a culture, maintaining a manager for more than two seasons, um, buying young, talented, and most important, hungry players who want to be at PSG is vital, as opposed to maybe aging players looking for that one last big paycheck uh, before they, they call it quits and right off into the sunset. We need to let those players go to the Saudi Pro League. That's what that league is for. Let them get their paycheck. Let them you know, play there in obscurity and no one really cares. PSG plays for the Champions League. It is the most important trophy in club football. We should still be able to attract the best players who are hungry, who want to win it. And so PSG needs players who who want to develop at PSG in their new training facility uh, and chase the Champions League. That's what we want. We need the hunger. The only star name, and I mentioned him earlier, that I think PSG really should be after is Harry Kane because he has all those personal accolades when he was in the Premier League. He's got the goals, right? He, he's shown that he can do it in arguably the best league in Europe. What he lacks is trophies, and that's because he's been at Tottenham. We all know about their trophy drought. Um, Harry Kane is a guy that I think will instantly benefit PSG because we need a striker and he wants trophies. So he knows his time to win the Champions League is starting to dwindle. So he needs to find out where can he go, where is his best chance where he's going to be a major contributor and help lead a team to the Champions League. And I think he could do that at PSG. Now that said, it's been reported that he's likely to head to Bayern Munich, who I should add now are about 40 to 50 million euro richer because PSG decided to sign Lucas Hernandez, who, yes, is recovering from an ACL tear that occurred in the World Cup last November. So here at PSG, buying injured players who we don't know how they're going to return, and Bayern Munich's out here replacing that player with younger talent and going after Harry Kane and will likely get him. You see the difference in the transfer strategy. PSG are getting it all wrong right now, in my opinion, and you have to look at Luis Campos, PSG's part-time sporting advisor. He's had an up-and-down tenure at PSG since he's been here, and that might be because of the leadership over him. Nasser, the Amir Qatar, we don't really know who's ultimately pulling the strings. We don't know how much Luis Campos is really able to, to put his uh, his stamp on this team, and is he able to bring in the players that he really wants? I'm not so sure, so I'm willing to give him a little bit of a break there. But this is a vital transfer window for PSG, and he has to get it right. He just he has to with Mbappe. We don't know what's going on with him. We've got players coming back from loan. We've got to do a lot of selling. We've got to do a lot of buying. we got to completely flip this entire squad. So he's got a lot of work to do. One player I think keep your eye on, one transfer to keep your eye on, to really see if things behind the scenes are as bad as we all think, is Javi Simmons. He's a player that was at PSG last year. Um... And then he left, he went to PSV, he's done great, led the Eredivisie um, in goals, scored. He's a fantastic player. When he left PSG, he uh, PSG were thankfully put in a buyback clause for around €6 million. Euro. 
nothing, right? I mean, a player of his quality, he led one of the top leagues in Europe in scoring. Let's bring him back. But he hasn't done it yet. Shabby Simmons is still waiting to see, is this a project I want to be a part of? Can I get playing time? Will I continue to, to develop there? If he ultimately decides, I'm going to pass, I'm going to stay at PSV, that tells me things are rotten at the club. Because a player like that coming to Paris, being able to be in a top Champions League team, to really go after that trophy, to play alongside Mbappe and Verratti and Nuno Mendes and Hakimi, and be managed by Luis Enrique once he's in, if that player says, I don't want any parts of that, I'm going to stay here, that's a problem. And that tells me everything I need to know about what's going on at the club. So keep your eye on Javi Simmons and see um, if he ultimately comes. Hopefully we'll have an answer in the coming weeks. All right. Now, with that said, my rant is over. Let's get into our first interview. I'm really excited about this first one because making his debut is Drew from Dallas. He's a longtime PSG supporter. He actually found this podcast uh, during the pandemic. Uh, he's come in. He's talked a little bit on some of our Twitter spaces. Super knowledgeable. Uh, he just is, is a great guy. and I'm thrilled that he was able to come on the podcast. Talk to him about the latest transfer news and rumors. And I also got his thoughts on Mbappe, what he thinks going on there, as well as Luis Enrique, uh, who could come in and replace Christophe Gaultier. So we've got him talking about that. After Drew, we're going to bring in Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. If you listen to the show, you know that he's been here. You know all about Ethan. He's a great guy, very knowledgeable. Um, encourage you to follow him on Twitter as well as uh, Drew. But Ethan's coming on. He's going to go through the squad and talk about his ideal formation, what players will be starting, who could back them up, who might be leaving, who might be coming in, and basically how the entire squad with the players coming in and leaving, how that could kind of come together under Luis Enrique. So I hope you enjoy the two interviews and um, and hope you enjoy this podcast. Hopefully, if you do, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we love a good review. If you could do that for us. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, welcome in, Drew. This is your first time on PSG Talking, and we're thrilled to have you. Let's just start with a little bit about how you became a PSG fan. Uh, well, originally, um, kind of like most people who are involved with the sport, I uh, grew up playing um, among other sports uh, outside of football or soccer here in the States. Um, started playing soccer at about nine or 10 years old, along with basketball. Um, didn't really follow much of the European game because it's kind of hard, you know, in the later 90s to early 2000s to kind of watch some of the uh, football uh, across the pond. But uh, what initially sparked my interest was just um, watching the World Cups every, you know, four years here in the States. And my family initially um, were ethnically West African, um, Native American, and a little bit of Spanish. So I had relatives that were West African descent. Um, so I was always exposed to like the French culture, French language, um, and then PSG being like pretty much, you know, the most popular French speaking club um, was just kind of something that I was indirectly exposed to. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to nowadays, it's like one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, so I initially grew up going to, you know, cross the pond to France years ago. Um, and then the club kind of became what it is now. And it was just kind of more like a natural um, progression of just being around French speaking people, um, speaking a lot of French myself, not completely fluent um, and just supporting a club that I saw a lot of ambition um, in the early QSI days. Um, and seeing the pro progression of the club now is very fulfilling, but at the same time, you can agree to this very, very stressful to be a supporter of a club right now. Um, so really happy with what we've done with the project, um, but it's only, you know, um, something that we can, you know, grow more as a foundation in world football um, and become what we really expect the club to be in, in you know, the coming decades, hopefully. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, PSG does, if we want to get them to where we all want them to be, and that's Champions League winners. And it starts with building a squad. Uh, we all know the summer transfer window is open. And so I just want to get your assessment on how you feel like PSG's strategy is so far, this transfer window. Like, what is the strategy? What are you liking? What are you not liking? Just kind of sum up the window so far, what you're hearing out there. 
You know, a lot of the, the top right now is, um, you know, you can see what's going on with the killing situation. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Honestly, I think he'll probably remain with the club through this year. I don't really see them selling to him. Um, I think the Qataris are a little bit, you know, of a hard, stern kind of people. Um, they don't want to be pushed around maybe because they have more money than most people have in the world. Um, but as far as outside of Killian, I think with the uh, Uruguayan midfielder that we got from the Portuguese uh, league from, I believe it was Sporting, um, Manuel Ugarte, if I'm correct. Yep, that's I right. That's, yeah, one of the good prospects that we've got so far. I think that last year, you know, bringing in Fabian Ruiz and Vitinha was was the primary area that the club really needed to address. Um and then bringing alongside another young talent in the midfield is what we really need. Um, you know, you can attest to this. With world football, you really have to have a strong midfield. You know, if your midfield gets overran, you can't control either side of the ball. Um, and so I think bringing him on, um, I've watched a few videos of, um, you know, his style of play um, on YouTube, and he seems to be more of a ball winner, not so much of a dribble out of pressure kind of guy like Verratti or Vitinha, but more of a ball winner um, kind of midfielder, um, more of your box to box, kind of like how we had Idrissa Gay years ago, wasn't the best, excuse me, the best person on the ball, but was in the right place at the right time. Um, his long passing looks decent. Um, so I think that was one of the prospects that I saw was really good. Um, Skrinja, obviously we've known him coming in for a while. It seems like the injury that he's had, um, he's progressed in that and he's recovered that. So I think with Ramos, you know, leaving the club, Presnel, you know, recovering a major injury, that's a key, key thing. Cause it looks like, you know, come the start of the season, that's going to be our, our starting center back pairing would be Marquinhos and Skrinja. Um, so I think them hooking up and, and getting, used to playing alongside each other is going to be real key. Um, and then, you know, with with a change in management, are we going to have a three-back, are we going to have a four-back system along with supposedly uh, Lucas Hernandez uh, coming along this week? That's what a lot of the reports have been, you know, coming out of, you know, um, the, the websites here um, that he signed with the club this week um, and passed his medical um, in Paris. So I think with him, he's a versatile player on the back line. Um, but the, the key thing is, are we going to play with a three-back system or a four-back system under Luis Enrique? Um, only time is going to be able to be told with that. Um, we, uh, with the other transfers, I think, um, you know, it would be more of what Luis Enrique wants to do. Um, I've seen reports, you know, earlier today and uh, yesterday with him requesting um, Jao Felix come to the club. I don't know what would go on with that. I think the Jao Felix situation would kind of be determined on whether Killian stays or not. Um, I don't really know along the lines with that. Um, same with the thing with uh, Marco Asensio. I believe he's a lot further down the progression um, as far as Marco Asensio coming to the club. Um, but as far as Jao Felix coming um, from Atletico de Madrid to here in Paris, I think that's more of something that Luis Enrique wants compared to someone like... Um, you know, Marco Asensio, it seems like Luis Campos has already kind of done that. And then the big one that is really of concern, I think uh, we're all trying to figure out, is he going to come or is he not going to come, is Bernardo Silva from Manchester City. Yes. Um, that is the one that I'm really hoping that we can get, you know, um, across the line. And that would really help our attacking midfield to midfield because Bernardo Silva is an exceptional world-class player. Um, and it seems like City would be maybe willing to let him go. Um, and if it, if it happens, that would be a big upgrade for our Parisian attack in the field. Excellently uh, summed up there. And one other player that we, we think has been signed is uh, Cher Ndor. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's on the Italian under-19 side coming in from um, Benfica, yeah. I believe. Tall midfielder. I think he's six foot two. You know, raw. He's he's eighteen. I don't know how many uh, how much playing time he will get, but he must have been promised something, right? If he's coming to the team, um, he probably could have gone anywhere else. Maybe even like a Leipzig or kind of a developmental side. But he it's it's an odd signing for PSG. So 
I'm assuming he thinks he can get some minutes at PSG. I really like that signing. We've been lacking a tall midfielder probably since Thiago Mata had left. So really excited about what he could bring. And um, agree with a lot of other points that you made there. So um, what I, you mentioned Lucas Hernandez. Before the World Cup, world class would have loved to have him. Then he shreds his ACL. What do yeah. you make of PSG spending the kind of money that they did, between 40 and $50 million with bonuses and, and that sort of thing? Do you think that PSG should have spent that much money for a player coming off an ACL injury that serious? What do you make of that? Honestly, when I first heard the initial reports, um, my initial interpretation was the reason why they went after him is that Bayern uh, recently signed, I'm not sure what the player's name is. Um, he's an Asian player. Um, he's a center back. I feel like Bayern knew that they were going to sign that player and they let Hernandez go because of that. PSG's reason to acquire Hernandez is one, primarily because he's French. Um, and then two, I feel like with Ramos leaving the club, they wanted to get a center back right away that had some experience regardless of who they got. Um, so I think it was along the lines of Ramos not re-signing and then Lucas Hernandez being French, um, too, was one of the reasons why they kind of went after him. I'm not too big on that. Um, I, w I remember watching that game when um, he was injured during the World Cup. I think it was a, the round of 16 game or it was the final group stage game. If I can recall, maybe it was even prior to that. It might have been the very first game of uh, France. Um, I don't really know how far along in the progression he is as far as um, recovery. Um, I do know he's a versatile player, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, spending as much money as you just mentioned on him and his health being um, up in the air, I think maybe we should have you know, held back and seen what some of the other options are. At the same time, we still, um, have Abdou Diallo as a, a good player who is versatile, who can play on the left side and can play on the back line um, at the same time. So I think it's it's kind of a hit or miss. If he can maintain his health um, and get to the level that he plays um, with the French national team and with Bayern, um, then it would be a good acquisition. If not, and he's kind of in and out of, of, of you know, the the injury room and all that, like how Ramos was the first year, I think it's going to be kind of a waste and we would be in hot water because, you know, Preston's injury is very severe. Um, Marquinhos is the only one main one um, and Skrinja is going to be the only one alongside Marquinhos. So we're kind of force you to be only play with like a back two because you don't really have that third consistent center back to play in a back three system all year in, year out. Um, so only... Fingers can be crossed right now with the acquisition of uh, Lucas Hernandez per the reports. Yeah, and that player I think you were mentioning was Kim Min Jae from uh, Napoli. So Bayern sell Lucas Hernandez to PSG. They turn around and buy him for roughly around the same. And it just felt like to me, I wrote a piece on our Substack that like PSG were just subsidizing Bayern's purchase of a, a better, younger, healthier uh, defender. And, and then we get kind of their cast off uh, who has an ACL tear. So I'm like, why... Why are we doing that? It just seems a little bit head-scratching. But um, another head-scratching situation at PSG is Kylian Mbappe. Will he stay? Where will he go? There's been all kinds of reports. It seems like anyone with a Twitter account uh, claims to have some inside knowledge. So I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that Mbappe will stay in Paris, whether that means he's extending his current contract or he'll sign a new contract? Or do you think PSG will set a deadline and say, you either are going to extend or we're gonna sell you. So how do you see this one playing out? I feel over the summertime, um, per a lot of the media, it's gonna be a lot of, is he gonna stay, is he gonna go? We're killing himself and the club are gonna remain silent um, for the most part. I don't really see Madrid coming out and dropping a, a bucket load of cash um, to QSI to sell Kylian. My interpretation of the QSI position is to play hardball. Um, they've always been a hardball kind of, you know, organization when it comes to the big transfers uh, per Neymar, getting Killian from Monaco. Messi's kind of situation was just kind of, you know, dumped into our lap. But I think with Killian, they'll play hardball. They'll try to 
ride out the whole summer, show what we're trying to bring in as far as new talent, talent leaving the club, Luis Enrique's acquisition on what he wants to do with the club in the next two years. And then I think nothing will really happen until about the, um, you know, winter transfer window when he can actually sign with the club. I honestly 100% think he'll play all of next year with Paris. Um, then what will happen was I think with the Olympics coming next year, which a lot of people, Jonathan Johnson, I believe even mentioned this, um, that he will stay into the club until 2024 and then leave the club, leave France and go sign at Madrid as like a farewell, thank you kind of year with PSG, one more go around at the Champions League um, and then kind of choose his destination. Killen's a very, very intelligent player and, and a person. Um, he's not the kind of person who gets backed into a situation um, unsuspectingly and, and kind of given an ultimatum. He kind of is like a, a chess player when it comes to his decisions in life. Um, he kind of knows his next move before you think he knows it. Um, so I think he's strategically doing things, sending letters to Lakeep or to the club that's stating that he's not gonna assign the one-year extension um, purposefully to see what the club's reaction is. Um, but in, in hindsight, I think he'll leave the club. I think he's kind of done what he can do in France with the club, with the exception of winning the Champions League. Um, I hate to see him go just like a lot of us, um, but at the same time, I think with Killing, he's very intelligent and he wants to challenge himself um, in world football elsewhere. Um, I would wish him the best, but I, I think that they're both gonna play hardball and at the end next summer this time, he'll probably leave the club um, on a free, which would kind of be the worst case scenario for us. Yeah, I do hope. I know that he has Paris in his heart. Um, we saw his recent uh, tweet about kind of the violence that's going on in Paris. We know he very much cares about the city, and he does care about the club. I do wonder if he would sign, because you're right, Real Madrid are not going to drop $200 million on a player with one year left in his deal. I do wonder if he would say, look, I'll, I'll sign a, a two-year, whatever, but you gotta you got to move me on. And then I think that would force Real Madrid to come in with a real bid, a substantial bid, and then all parties will be happy. So I wonder if that's on the table and then maybe that's what's being negotiated, but it's been it's been crazy uh, following this saga. I think Real Madrid supporters are getting a little tired of it. I know I am, like we all thought going into the season, oh, it'd be nice and calm, Mbappe staying, we're good. And then the letter news comes out and it's just been, it's been a little crazy. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, appreciate your thoughts on that. Last question uh, for you, Drew, before we get you out of here. Um, Christophe Gauthier was taken into police custody recently due to allegations of racism from his time at Nice. While that's all working its way out in the courts, PSG, they're continuing to work on a way to officially sever ties with him, whether they got to pay him or not. Who knows? They're, they're working on that. But all signs are pointing to Luis Enrique, if you mentioned a couple times, uh, coming into the club to be the next manager. Thoughts on him taking over at PSG? Is that a good move or... Would you have preferred someone else? Was just kind of was this a signing that was just like, well, there's no one else out there. He's, he's the best of who's left. What do you make of the, the whole uh, Enrique signing, potential signing? You know, with with uh, you know per reports with Enrique coming in, um, I think it's something that the club needs. Uh, you know, you look at you know most of the managers in the last ten years from Ancelotti till now, we've had the most success from managers who were very stern and were very direct with what they wanted to do with the club and the players that they were given. You look at Ancelotti, you know, from the 2013 to the 2014 season before Long Blanc came. And then you look at the stint that we had with Tuchel from 18 to 2020. Um, we had a very stern manager in position who had a style of play that they wanted with Luis Enrique, a former player who's done so much in the game. I think it creates a tone in the dressing room where players like Neymar, where players like Kylian Mbappe, Marquinhos, um, some of the other players that have done a lot in the game, they would look at a manager like that in, in, it, in its respect. Nothing against Marisa Pochettino, Unai Emery, nor Christophe Gaultier but they just don't demand the same level of respect as Laurent Blanc, a former player, you know, Ancelotti, a former player, Luis Enrique, a former player would, would present. 
Um, my biggest concern is stability and consistency in that position. You know, um, Tuchel was there for two and a half seasons and we developed a style of play over time that got us to, you know, our first and only Champions League final. Um, Pochettino kind of picked up where Tuchel left, but then the club and the team digressed from his inability to create a direct style of play, his inability to have a consistent 11. And Gaultier was kind of dealt, you know, a weird situation with one, the World Cup being in the middle of the season, two, having Messi, you know, come into the club, um, you know, on a second year and having a unbalanced team. Um, now with Messi leaving the club, it will allow Enrique to formulate a more balanced team, I hope. Um, and then if the club really allows him to do what he can do and kind of give him the keys to the to the dressing room, would allow him to develop a style of play that we can see progression on on all sides, whether it's counterattacking, ball retention, um, formation, starting 11 that we can have coming into this 2023, 2024 season, and then really, you know, get the ball, you know, flowing in the right direction the year after that. But that would only happen with retaining a manager for more than two seasons and, and, and so on. You know, if you look at a lot of the clubs, you know, um, with the exception of maybe say Bayern, but if you look at a lot of the top English clubs, you know, City, you know, Liverpool, uh, Madrid and Spain, they retain managers for multiple seasons because they're building a project and that project takes time. And that's something that everybody knows who follows Paris Saint-Germain is the club itself by the owners are very impatient. Um, but we've seen that it's, 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 you can't buy success. So I think, you know, with consistency, allowing Enrique to stay in the club for a minimum of two seasons would allow us to get where we want um, along with, you know, not, not buying superstars anymore, buying a balance, you know, team um, on in the midfield and, and attack, you know, you know, you can't, you know, I say you can't defend with seven defenders and have three players up top walking um, across the pitch. So I think with Enrique having a very stern personality, being a very demanding individual, um, I think it would put the right personality into the dressing room. There wasn't many options um, in the market. We all know Zidane was the hopeful dream, um, but it looks like Zidane wouldn't come. Um, the rest of the managers on the market um, weren't really up to the caliber of what the club would expect. Um, Luis Enrique has proven success in, you know, uh, in Spain, Champions League winner in 2015 with Barcelona. The Ramontada happened with, happened with him against us. Um, sad day, um, you know, things that he did with the Spanish national team um, shows that he can coach at different levels in the game. So it shows that he's a dynamic coach. And I think that's what we need. Gaultier was not, you know, a tactician like how Tuchel was. Gaultier wasn't a man manager like Carlo Ancelotti is. Um, so if we can get a manager that can have, you know, a little bit of both and have the respect factor that the club so desperately needs, I think um, the outlook looks good um, with his acquisition. Yeah, I've definitely come around to Gaultier coming in, or um, I'm sorry, to Enrique coming in. Gaultier was really untested in the Champions League, and you've mentioned all of Enrique's accolades. So while I was kind of on the, the Nagelsmann train, I thought he would be a great tactician. We saw what he did to PSG with Bayern, uh, you know, blanked us in two games. So I thought he would be interesting. And the fact that that went on for so long, I was like, he's really interested. And I was like, let's get him before he changes his mind. Ultimately, he changed his mind. And uh, we ended up with Enrique. And I think all things considered, the fact that, as you mentioned, we, we fire a manager every season or two seasons, to be able to still pull um, a coach with the caliber of Enrique, I think is good. I think let, let's keep him in. Hopefully we see some success. We can build upon that, bring in the right signings, kind of, rotate this squad a little bit we know that Mbappe is going to leave probably during his tenure so um, there'll be a lot of money to rebuild this squad and I like Enrique being there he knows football he's one at the highest level so let's give him a shot let's get behind him I've definitely come around on him and getting a little bit more exciting but we're now we're just waiting for the official announcement so anyway Drew I've kept you too yeah. long thank you thank you so much any final words before we let you go yeah I just wanted to say thanks for all the content you and the guys put out you and Nico and um uh, Stu, I talk to Stu a lot on Instagram. Um, so just thank you for all the stuff that you guys do. 
Um, and we can only hope for the future of the club to go in the direction. And all we can do is just keep putting a lot of this good content out here for the club and get more exposure here stateside um, and uh, get forward to looking forward to some of the preseason games here in the next coming weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, the guys over at London Parisian are, are amazing. Love what they do. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll do a collaboration in the near future. So anyway, thank you so much, Drew. We'll let you go. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Now the man who needs no introductions become a, uh, a stalwart here on PSG Talking. We have Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, welcome into the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. It's uh, It's been a busy, fun sports day. I know that the league seasons for a lot of sports have kicked off today. So um, other than Twitter doing uh, whatever it's been doing, uh, I've been getting a lot of notifications for hockey, basketball, and obviously football as well. So yeah, it's been good. Any uh, Anything interesting with you lately? Nothing too interesting. I was away from my computer, so I missed the Twitter news, but apparently like you can only read like 6,000 tweets a day now. So I, I don't know. There's no. There's going to be no limits. You can listen to this podcast as much as you want, but apparently on Twitter, old Elon is uh, shutting us down here. So we might we might have to pivot, go to a different platform. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? I I don't really follow that, but um, yeah, it is kind of funny. People are freaking out about it, but um, yeah. All right. So uh, I'm thinking. Um, so what I've I've got, if if you don't mind me, just kind of jumping into to my bit and what I was going to go over is um, well let me just, let me let me set you mm. up let me let me tee, tee it up for okay. you here a little bit so um, I wanted to have you on the show because PSG hasn't really formally announced any signings um, we're recording this on July 1st in the afternoon so of course before I publish it I'm sure they will announce something but we do have an idea of who is coming so far so let's assume Milan Skriniar is coming in coming in Ugarte is coming in from Sporting Lucas Hernandez, I think, passed the medical while also having an ACL tear. I don't know how you do that. Marco Asensio is coming in. Uh, Sharon Ndor, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, from Benfica. Um, young kid, 18, really excited about him. Um, and then, so those are the, some of the players we know are coming in. And then you have Luis Enrique coming in as manager. So, Ethan, I want to ask you, let's assume that Mbappe does stay at the club for another season. Give me your ideal starting lineup with those players and the players we have in the squad already. Yeah, so uh, I would say a lot of it's going to be kind of self-explanatory. It's going to be similar to last year. But um, to start off, uh, in goalkeeper, it's going to be Donnarumma, of course. Uh, the club is clearly they're just going to move on from Kaylor Navas, even though he at times may look better and he's better with the ball at his feet. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that the club is, is just it's going to be Donnarumma now. And they're just going to roll with him. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I mean, he's only, what, 23, 24, something like that. Um, and uh, in goalkeeper years, that's essentially as if he's 21, 22. So uh, he... Yeah. 24 he, years he, old. And Kilo Navas, yeah. I think, is rumored to go to Inter Milan. Um, I think yeah, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. Kilo could go to Inter Milan. That'd be a, a good signing for them if... Um, I thought they had Onana, but is is he? Maybe he's leaving. I'm not sure. I feel like Kaylor Navas definitely should still be starting at a at a club in Europe. But I think uh, Onana is uh, Manchester United. I think they were interested. And they could have had him for free, mm -hmm. but he had that like uh, year suspension. But now they're going to have to pay top dollar for him. So anyway, oh, okay, that's the latest uh, I've, I've heard. I honestly have missed all that. Then I haven't heard any of that. But uh, yeah, it'll be Donnarumma and goal uh, backing him up should be. I mean, Lucas Lavalier from the academy will probably be in there somewhere, but um, I'm not sure if we're going to bring in a, a another you know, backup goalkeeper. Just because, um, unfortunately, obviously, we most people listening should know the case with Sergio Rico. Uh, apparently, he is still he's awake now and he's doing better. But um, after that uh, really bizarre uh, horse uh, riding accident right near the end of the season. There's a good chance that, I mean, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to that. I don't know if he's going to play football again. Uh, I'm yeah, pretty sure I, he's I wouldn't his... count on him. I wouldn't count on him. Yeah. At all. I'm looking yeah. up his uh, his uh, contract situation right now. I think he's um, got two more years, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. But, yeah, looking um, up here. This is riveting radio right now. Contract expires 2024. So, yeah, he's he may never play oh, football so again. Year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that would obviously be. Uh, 
that'd be awful. But um, yeah, so we do need to look towards uh, another backup goalkeeper. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many guys. I mean, I've seen people mentioning uh, Sirigu coming some, coming back. I think he is out of contract. Um, gosh, I forget where he was playing. But as far as backup goalkeeper, I don't know who it could be. It could be a whole number of different players. But um, there there's a bunch of options there. But I'll move on that uh, because goalkeeper is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, at left back, it'll be Nuno Mendes. Of course, that's uh, probably the biggest one of the biggest no-brainers in the squad. And then backing him up uh, should be Serif. Uh, I, man, I always mess up his last name. Uh, I know it's spelled N-A- N-H-A-G-A, so uh, Naga, something like that. That guy, Serif, that guy. Uh, He should be backing him up. Yeah, and then, yeah, that guy. And then uh, Lucas Hernandez will be, uh, if, if Nuno Mendes ever gets hurt, then I imagine Hernandez will just jump in at left back uh, for him. And then as far as uh, center back, it's going to be, I think it's going to be Marquinhos and, and Milan Skriniar starting. That just seems most realistic, especially with how versatile Lucas Hernandez is. Uh, it would be better if we could kind of keep him as a, not just a backup left back, but he's pretty versatile on the left. Uh, and just knowing our team with injuries, he'll get plenty of minutes. So I don't think he should be worried about just being stuck on the bench behind Marquinhos and Skriniar, but uh, backing those guys up should be, I don't know if Bichiabu is going to stay or if he's going to go on loan. I guess we'll see how that goes. But um, I know Bichiabu played on the left a little bit for us this year um, as a left center back, and he, he definitely struggled. Uh, not great with the ball at his feet, but he's still really young, and he's a uh, really tall, you know, big uh, strong, uh, you know, he's got a big frame. So if we just let him develop more, if we can maybe send him on loan to, uh, I think he would do great at some sort of league on a team who's going to sit back in a low block. You know, they're just going to defend crosses. Uh, they're going to give, uh, you know, the, the stronger, better team room on, on the wings to cross. And just with his, how tall he is, he's going to be able to uh, play good defense in that situation. I don't know if that's maybe the best for his actual development, but I feel like he's just so tall that he's got to be a guy that you you just have sitting and, and waiting to defend crosses. And then uh, Kempembe, whenever he comes back, I know he'll probably be out the first couple months of the season, but he should back up uh, those guys as well. He and may I not be ready gonna... until 2024. And are you assuming Juan Bernard is gone? Um, that is a good question um i actually kind of forgot to touch on that but um, you know i feel like we haven't heard much about it i think he'll probably be gone um yeah i i would guess so unless enrique comes in and doesn't feel like serif uh naga has is anywhere near uh, getting playing time or even rotational minutes then bernard's probably out of here his wage is higher than it should be it's not egregious but it's definitely higher than it should be um and so yeah i would guess that he would probably i i think he might be on the last year of his deal and it wouldn't surprise me if we just sent him on loan for this year and then just let his contract run out Um, just because i feel like every time he was on the pitch last year it's just you'd expect more from him and i i know you know we all know we're not getting nuno mendez uh, reincarnated, or I guess he's older, so that wouldn't make sense. But we know we're not getting Nuno Mendes when uh, Bernat's on the field, but I still feel like he just he just wasn't quite up to the task, just made a little too many errors. He just wasn't, especially for, for being a real attacking fullback, he wasn't as dynamic and uh, good an attack as I would have wanted. So kind of a bummer, but um, I would guess right now that, yeah, we'll move on from him probably towards the end of the transfer window. He might even get a little bit of Liga minutes before he leaves, much like uh, Paredes did last year. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to guess that he's gone. Um, and, and then we'll have Kurzawa coming back. So would maybe keep one of them, either Kurzawa or Bernat? Yeah, I would guess that Bernat is going to be easier to offload. Uh, Kurzawa, I feel like he's just going to be a, a, a loft player, as Campos uh, made, made made up that term last year. Um I just see Kurzawa as, as an emergency guy. I think it'll be hard to loan him out. I mean, we've we've loaned him out. We've given him chances to play. 
And just like we predicted with a lot of these Deadwood players, Campos knows ball well enough to where he loaned these guys out and almost all of our loanies uh, sucked wherever they played last year. And from what I remember, Kurzawa was no exception. So I yeah. feel like unless you're a championship side, like, a, you know, champ, like EFL championship, the second uh, division of England, and you've got a lot of money in the wage uh, in your payroll and your wage bill, and you need a backup left back, then I feel like that's that's kind of his only sort of option. I don't I don't feel like some Premier League club or some top flight club is going to come in and want to take on a big chunk of his wages. So I just feel like, yeah, he, he's had his chances. You know, he peaked with that Champions League hat trick years ago. Um, gosh, I can't even remember who that was against, but. I do think it's funny that he's the first left back to ever score a Champions League hat trick. <laughs> just didn't turn out to be anywhere near a great left back at all. So, and don't forget, I mean, if PSG and I'm with you, I think PSG let Bernat go, Kurzawa, if you can get rid of both of them. But I wouldn't mind keeping a hold of Colin Dagba, who is a traditional uh, right back. And I know we've got Mukiele and Hakimi, but he can also play a little left backs. So maybe he would be your um, kind of backup break glass in case of emergency if we could bring colin dagbo back he was at on loan at strasburg i don't think he played terrible mm -hmm. so he's still young enough um 24 years old i wouldn't mind having him in the squad yeah yeah i agree and um yeah i was gonna get to right back next um yeah dagbo yeah he's he's not he's not old by any means he can still definitely improve um unless he's dying for a loan move or a sale so that he can get significant minutes um, I, I would keep him as our third right back. Um, and like you said, yeah, emergency uh, left back as well. So, um, yeah, and then right back I feel like is going to be, I don't think Hakimi's leaving. Even if we happen to sell Mbappe, it's unlikely that Hakimi's going to be enough of a, um, I, I don't know, people just have this dynamic on Twitter where, oh, if Mbappe leaves, Hakimi's going to follow him. It's not like that. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're best buds, but... Um, he's not just going to simp for Mbappe and just follow his career like a little puppy dog. So uh, I, I don't see Hakimi leaving. And then Mukiele obviously will be uh, the backup to start the season. But there, There's been some talk about those two players. How long is, would you allow Hakimi to go out there? And if he continues his kind of poor form from last season, how soon would you make that change? Do you think Enrique should make it after a couple games or kind of leave Hakimi in there, make that his spot and kind of build up his confidence. Cause Mukiele looked good last season. Yeah, he did. Mukiele was, was probably better than Hakimi for the, you know, just in general last season. Uh, for me, I, I, I think that a couple games, I mean, I know people talk about, Oh, that's, you know, four or 500 minutes, but to get in the groove of a beginning of a season, especially we've got a little bit tougher league games at the beginning of the year, we've got Lons, Nice and Leon, I think all within the first five match days. Uh, for me, if we're about halfway through the Champions League group stage, so that would be mid-October, and Hakimi's been pretty whatever, and then I will, I was going to ask, oh, were you going to say something there? Do you have a question for me? Yeah, so I wanted to ask, um, well, keep going. Go through your lineup here, and then we'll, I'll get my thoughts. Okay. In. Go, go, let's move to the midfield. Okay, yeah, so midfield, it should be, I think it'll be, uh, well, we're going to be playing with a 4-3-3. I should have probably specified the at the beginning. Uh, that's just Luis Enrique's go-to uh, formation. It's the formation that we're most familiar with if, if we exclude last season. Um, but as far as midfield, I think it's going to be Verratti uh, and Ugarte kind of playing as not holding midfielders. I mean, Ugarte definitely is more of a six, but it'll be sort of a It'll be a 4-3-3 holding, I think is what they call it, or maybe defensive, where there's two more defensive midfielders in that bunch, and then one of them being a little higher up in the shape of a, a triangle, so they've got a good passing triangle uh, that they can utilize. But uh, I'd say Variety and Ugarte, with Ugarte dropping deeper, uh, if need be, and Ugarte probably playing on the right, whereas Variety's pretty using on uh, more on the left, even though he's not a left footer. And then at center attacking midfielder, or yeah, it would be a, a 10. He'd be playing as a 10. Is going to be Neymar, I think. I don't expect to see him leave. Uh, and he's we've seen that he's just best as a 10. I think one of the reasons that we struggled 
especially we saw in the Coupe de France match where Marseille beat us last year. Uh, Messi and Neymar were both trying to play as as a 10 as much as they could. Obviously, Messi had to drop back pretty deep into the midfield at times, but uh, we, we usually struggled uh, against good opposition when both of those guys were on the pitch and there was no Mbappe. And that was because just they, they're both, I feel like they're two similar profiles. We probably never should have signed Messi, or if we signed Messi, then it, that should have been with the expectation or the knowledge, uh, basically set in stone that Neymar was going to be gone. Uh, just because having that much money tied up on two guys who are similar enough profiles was just not a good move tactically for us. So we saw that last year. Um, and then to back up, um, to back up Verratti and Ugarte is going to be, uh, it could be anywhere from, I mean, Vitinha and Danilo and Warren Zaire Emery are going to be probably the next guys in line. If any of them get hurt, we know that Verratti almost surely will miss time next season. But um, so I would expect Vitinha and Warren to get pretty good minutes. Uh, and then if we end up signing uh, Kangin Lee, then I think he'll be the backup to Neymar. And I think we'll kind of, let him develop and build him as the uh, the 10 of the future for us. I know that he's played out on the wing and stuff, but uh, given that his dribbling is so, so good, uh, it's, it's Neymar-esque dribbling, honestly, as far as how good it can be, then I feel like uh, he's just kind of a, for me, it's a no-brainer that he, he's going to be our 10 of the future if he, develop, if he develops well and if that works out, you know. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Danilo because he played – you could argue he was probably up there, maybe right behind Mbappe as our, our MVP. I mean, he was great. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He could play in the midfield. He could play a little center back. I think, especially at the start of the season, while we're waiting for players to get acclimated, come back from injury, Hernandez, I think he's going to have to play a, a, pivotal, a pivotal role for PSG, especially at the start of the season. Um, I, I rate him really high. Um, so hopefully, I think we're going to see him a lot in the starting lineup um, initially and then... We'll see. I mean, he may outperform some of the newcomers, some of the ones, uh, players that you're saying could be an instant starter. And I am interested. Can you give us an update on the Kang and Lee transfer? Does that seem like it's actually going to happen? This is the player from um, Mallorca. Is, is that going to happen? It's from Mallorca. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will. Uh, obviously, I'm no transfer guru or I'm no insider like uh, Jonathan Johnson is. When, yeah. When you're on, yeah, I'm not Fabrizio Romano or anything, but. Um, no, I, I think it will happen. Uh, I think that if the difference of between their valuations is just a couple million is what it sounds like, then I think it will happen. So uh, I'm not too worried about that. Um, uh, it might take a, a little bit of time maybe, but um, I, I think it's just about uh, a wrap. So, I mean, I could be wrong. Obviously, he, he may not come, but I, I think we're going to get him. Although if we don't get him, then... Uh, definitely not all is lost. Uh, I think if we're looking for a 10 of the future to sit behind Neymar a bit and develop, you know, until Neymar's contract runs out, then uh, I think Ryan Cherokee from Lyon is is going to be a guy that we should be looking at, especially uh, I think I, I said something about it a little earlier today. Uh, a couple days ago, Lyon were uh, basically given a they're basically now required by French football or French football's watchdog or whatever, whatever, you know, essentially Liga's FFP or the, the governing body who, who dictates and, and administers that, uh, that they've got to make something like 60 million in the next month. Uh, and so I think if, if that is the case, then obviously they're going to be looking to sell some of their guys. And um, I know that they, it seems like before this, they're just kind of starting to turn a corner a little bit, Leon. But, um, I mean, now this is a big uh, – they've got to sell probably two or three of their more quality players. So Ryan Cherokee is someone that us fans have talked about for at least a year. And he's only 19, I think. And as far as a, a, a 10 of the future, he, he would be a great option there. So if we don't get Kangan Lee um, – we could go for someone like Cherokee, um, although Cherokee would be more expensive. But then again, if Leon are desperate to sell, then they may not have nearly as much um, uh, say or power over the negotiations as they want. So 
I'd also um, say Bernardo Silva um, could potentially come in there, but we'll, we'll talk about some kind of pie-in-the-sky transfers. Give me your attacking three, I think. Yeah, yeah. so on the left wing, it should be Mbappe. Uh, I remember a couple of episodes ago, um, uh, it was uh, I predicted that he was going to go to Madrid this summer. It doesn't look like that's likely, so I was, I was most likely wrong on that one. Um, and especially after, uh, if any of you guys didn't listen to the, the episode where Ed talked with Jonathan Johnson about the Mbappe situation. I think that was, you know, we can speculate all you want, but Jonathan Johnson, guys like that, they're actually working in the, uh, you know, they're, they, they have a lot more knowledge than we do. They're, they're hearing a lot more. I mean, it's, it's their actual job. So I, I trust his opinion on that when he it sounded like he was assuming or guessing that Mbappe was going to stay this year. Uh, and then as far as who's going to back up Mbappe, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, we've got young guys like uh, J.D. Gassama who could back him up. Um, but as far as a, a true backup left back, it's I think it's going to be a bit weird. It feels like we didn't quite have one last season. You mean left wing, and left I, wing, left winger? Or, yeah, did I, what did I say, left you back? You said left back, no, yeah. I, Oh gosh! No, I was like, well, we're not Real Madrid. No. We don't we don't put players at left back like oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're not doing the Camavinga thing. Yeah, um, yeah, my bad. Um, no, let's let's not have Mbappe play left back. Uh, <laughs> he could do it, I'm sure. It. But well, I don't. He's got the defensive work rate too. Um, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, sorry, at left winger, it's just it's it's so tough. I'm I'm not quite sure who. It could just be a, a young guy. Um, as far as the left winger free agent uh, market. Uh, from what I remember, it doesn't look too strong. So I'd say we might struggle to have a, a quality backup for Mbappe. And I only say that because uh, Javi Simons can play on the left or the right wing. He kind of did a little bit of both at PSV last year. He started on the right, ended up on the left more. Um, but if we keep Mbappe, um, Simons is not going to come back if he's not basically an automatic starter, which is fair. Because I, I still want us to sign him and to bring him back as an automatic starter. But um, it's, I mean, he'd be fighting with, right now, if he wanted, if he was okay with playing on the right wing, he would be fighting with Asensio for minutes. And I think we would start Simons over Asensio. And then Asensio would be more of a, a super sub off the, off the bench, uh, which I think would be a good spot uh, for him, just given we got him on a free transfer. His wages are, are pretty big, but um, considering how much money we've saved uh, technically in the last day, uh, getting Ramos and Messi's contracts off the books, that's $74.5 million per year off the books. So we can afford to pay a little bit of a premium for free agents just because um, you know we've got a little more of that money now. And Campos has done a good job uh, getting us back to a, a good financial spot the last year so. Um, yeah, that would be the right wing for me. Um, maybe someone like, I know that we're just today or yesterday linked with Bradley Barcola from Leon as well. If they have to sell, then he could be a guy that could, I mean, if I feel like if we don't get Simons, then someone like Barcola would be a, a really good option to, you know, let's see if he can learn a thing or two behind Asensio for uh, a bit and then, if he ends up being starting quality, then we've already got him and we just toss him right in the lineup. So that would be good. Um, that'd be a good option if we can't get Simons. And um, if we, assuming that we don't think that Asensio is just an automatic starter and he's basically untouchable as far as the starting lineup, I mean, I think he's got quality. Uh, you know, even though he's coming off the bench for Real Madrid last year, they've just got such good uh, wingers. So it makes sense why a guy that is potentially that good, wasn't getting a bunch, a bunch of minutes for them. Um, but obviously, yeah, we're, we're going to assume that he's going to have to fight for his starting spot a little bit. And then lastly, uh, as far as striker, that might be the biggest question mark for us. I think if you had to start, if the season started tomorrow, if we had a, a match tomorrow, then the starter there is going to be Icardi, which is weird to say. Uh, it's probably going to be Cardi. Yeah, I, I saw your, your reaction there. That was pretty yeah, funny. Yikes. Um, it's going to be Cardi and Ekatike, uh, which actually I just checked on, on – I mean, Transfermarkt could be off on this, but the the website Transfermarkt, uh, they reported Ekatike's transfer 
as 28 and a half million to us. So I know that some people were thinking, oh, it might be 35 or 40. Uh, it might only, it might just be in the high 20s, which obviously the, the lower the better. But um, I mean, Icardi or or Ekatike, that's what we got right now. So we we need a we need a a quality signing. I feel like as far as transfer fees, we've already spent like 120 million. If we get Lee, and um, you know, and that's between Ugarte and and Hernandez, and then obviously Campos has done well to get a lot of guys on free transfers. But if we're gonna spend money on one more guy. The no-brainer is that it's got to be on a striker. I think right now it's you know unlikely that we're getting Osman. Napoli are just pricing him out of a of a of a move. Uh, Kane apparently wants uh, to go to Bayern, um, and I feel like our options are going to be someone like uh, I don't I wouldn't love Jonathan David, although he's pretty good in build-up play. Mm-hmm. He's I just don't think his finishing is as good as it it could be, and. He's a bit older than uh, uh, Gonzalo Ramos from Befica, who is, he would probably be my number one pick right now. Uh, there's also guys like Rasmus uh, Hoyland, I think is how you say that. He's been linked with with Manchester United, as is Ramos, just because they, they need a striker. But both of those guys are kind of young wonder kids that I think we should be looking for. Um, I, I don't yeah, know why we, like don't, we don't call up the Emirates and say for Balogun. You know, I don't know how how he figures into their plans. I I don't think he's going to be an instant starter. So maybe they would. They've been spending a lot. So maybe they would like to yeah. sell him on for a, a large fee. Didn't he was at the top of the league on top scores? So yeah, he he would be a good option too. If you're going to go Jonathan yeah. David, why not consider Balogun? That's a good point. Yeah, and I I would agree that even though Balogun is less established, he's got less seasons in Liga, uh, a lot younger. I would just, it feels like he's got higher potential for me. I mean, if you just look at Jonathan David's raw stats from last season, I mean, he had a lot of penalties. So I feel like penalties definitely uh, inflated his goal tally. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good point. I uh, didn't think about that too much, but what, yeah. If, what's if, the guy that was at Liverpool, the Brazilian, um, Firmino? He he would have been a good option. I think he would have fit in, fits the profile, but didn't he just go to the Saudi Arabian League? He did, yeah, and just I mean, at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the, well, I guess the window just opened today, but about a month ago, you know, when f- when free agents were starting to make their moves, uh, and you know, they started, you know, negotiating, like negotiating's really started uh, uh, picking up. Then the three, the three best, you know, as far as established strikers out there, was Marcus Tur, and he was announced as an Inter player. Yesterday, I think, Firmino from Liverpool, and yet he's now off to Saudi Arabia. And then the last one is Moussa Dembele from Lyon, who's a free agent. But he was pretty bad last year. Uh, I think if we're desperate, then I think we sign him for for depth, you know, compete with Ekatike. And if Icardi is still here, then then do that. But uh, he, he's, there's no way that he's a guy that we can start. I think he had something like four league goals last season. So, um yeah, the the striker, uh, the striker market is is thin right now, and a couple of the biggest names look like they're unavailable to us. So, um, honestly, I know that you know I'm way less critical of Campos than than a lot of our fans are, but I'm really not going to criticize Campos if we don't get a star striker this year. There's just so few options at this point. So I feel like that's the biggest question mark, um, and you know a lot of people might go after Nasser and, and Campos for, you know, why couldn't we get these guys? Why couldn't we get Kane, Osiman, uh, a guy like that? And it's just, if they don't want to play for us, they don't want to play for us. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, I, well, what know, do you we, think about um, Lukaku? Is he a player with Chelsea? They're offloading everybody. Is he a player that they would consider selling? Oh, man. Um, I think they would consider selling him. I... Uh, I don't. I don't think I would want to go after. I feel like they're going to want to sail, most likely. Um, I mean, they did just loan him back, back, but they're probably going to want a, a player sale. Um, his wages are going to be. He's going to ask for a big wage. You know, he's he's. If he made this move, he'd be going in thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to be the star striker at at Paris Saint Germain." So, but he's. I just don't think he's that quality. Um, I mean, there's a reason that. 
last season, guys like Aiden Jekko, who just went to Turkey, often outshined him. Um, and Aiden Jekko is, is, you know, he's like 37 now and um, out of prime, clearly. And he still just was, I mean, I feel like they went through waves of, you know, this month Lukaku's playing better, this month Aiden Jekko's playing better. But it's just the, the consistency isn't there. And um, I feel like as far as, I don't want to judge a guy just on a couple moments, but as far as needing, you know, clutch, clutch players, you know, we've had a, we've clearly lacked that in the past 10 years. Uh, Lukaku is not a clutch player. Uh, he just hasn't shown it. It doesn't mean he won't ever have clutch moments, but it's just, I mean, at the world cup, he single-handedly could have sent Belgium into the knockout rounds and he didn't just with awful misses, the Champions League final, he probably should have, he should have equalized late for Inter Milan against Man City. He missed it. And those are not the only moments that he's had. He's out of their bad moments like this. So, yeah. um, no, that, that's, no, for uh, me. No, I was but, just going to say, yeah. those are all fair points about Lukaku. Um, he's got the quality, but is the mindset going to be there? Is he going to think going to PSG is a vacation very much like I think Messi was coming here just for the money and the somewhere to go? And you know, I guess my you know, buy, or, you know Barcelona can't afford me, so I'll just go to PSG for two years and get ready for the World Cup. We, we want players to come in with that mentality, like, I want to win here. I want the Champions League. So, like, we got to find a striker like that. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards a, a David or a Balogun, these players that have a lot to prove who are familiar with Ligue 1. Can we bring them in? They're, they also uh, – um, you can also maybe move Mbappe to the striker role, which might be something he would welcome, and then maybe sign a left winger. We know Chiesa is a player from Juventus has been on PSG's radar. So you could play around with it a little bit like that, maybe – you can't find a striker, just move Mbappe there. It's easier to find a left winger. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Uh, I just I just know that, you know, we've we've seen the we've gone through the hashtag pivot gang uh scandal, quote unquote, with Mbappe. And I just feel like he's he's very clearly uh best on the left wing. So but yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I think I'm maybe not quite being as uh as fluidly thinking or progressively thinking about this as I probably should be, because if, I mean, Enrique, Luis Enrique is a manager that Mbappe will most likely listen to and really respect. So yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. I think I probably need to shift my mentality of who's our striker going to be more to who's, who's, who are we going to get as left winger, which in that case, if we're going to play Mbappe at striker, then I feel like Javi Simons is signing at, at left on the left wing. So um, that would honestly, you're right. That would probably be a way better, way easier way to go about that. Um, I just, I really feel like we need to tell that guy on the screen there, you know, here's 10 million a year and the keys to the kingdom. Cause uh, he's, real. he's worth it. He honestly is. Yeah. He's, he's quality. So, that's honestly, you're probably right, and thanks for mentioning that. Uh, that was that's probably a a lot better way to approach this at that. You know, Campos is part time. I could come in and fill in for PSG. You know my email address, uh, Nasser. Just shoot me an email. I'll come in and I'll, I'll get this ship going in the right direction. Um, Ethan, we're going a little long here, but um, I want to. I got one last question for you. We've talked about some young players, Javi Simmons, but he we don't know if he's coming in. Are there any players from last season that you think could make? a major step to become a regular starter or maybe first off the bench. Who's a youngster in the team that you really got your eye on? Yeah, I think a no brainer is Warren Zyre Emery. I know that's the cop out answer. So I'll probably try and think of someone else that could uh, do well, but uh, yeah, Warren Zyre Emery, I mean, he's going to be our, our guy of the future. He's going to be our, our Verratti in just a couple of years. And um, I know that his contract I think is up at the end of this year or next. So uh, we need to make sure that we we keep him. Uh, that that would be absolutely devastating if he left on a free in a year or two. So what's what's his um, best position for us? What, what's uh, Zaire Emery? Where where can we if he is a regular starter? Where can he find a spot? Because he is pretty versatile. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, I think if we're playing more of a defensive four three three, and let's say. Neymar is injured or he's out on the wing, which would put Asensio on, on the bench. 
Uh, I know that Neymar hasn't played on the wing uh, too much, but he definitely, he still could uh, on the right wing is, is what I'm referencing probably. And um, in that case, then we're going to have an empty spot there in the midfield. And I, I think for uh, Warren Zaremery is best as an eight, as a center midfielder. Uh, I think him side by side with Verratti is just a great pairing. It worked a lot last year. And even though Verratti will not likely be in his prime in a couple of years, and we're not going to see them working together for years and years, if if at all, um, him side by side with another quality eight like Verratti, I think is is best utilizing him. Obviously, we did see him at right back a little bit last year, uh, but that was just because of an emergency. Uh, we're, we shouldn't probably see that again. Yeah, I like the so. idea of maybe a little diamond mid- midfield. Could you have Neymar, Verratti, um, Ugard, and then maybe Zaire Emery? Yeah, if you play a little bit more of a narrow formation with, mm-hmm. yeah, n- not really playing with as many wingers, it'd be like a technically like a four-four-two diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that that can pre- that can pretty easily change to a four-three-three with kind of um, make let guys roam a little bit. But yeah, that um. I think, yeah, that that would be a good way to do it. I, I don't know how familiar Enrique is with kind of playing a formation like that, but, uh, I mean, he's a smart guy, and I'm sure he has in the past. So, um, yeah, that could be good. Yeah, I've got to do my homework and see what he prefers. But, you know, just with the fullbacks, they're able to get forward. Hakimi and Nuno Mendes, maybe we can play a little bit more narrow and let them get up the flanks. And then you've got Mbappe and Asensio up top. So, a lot to play around with. Um, Ethan, I appreciate you coming on and sharing what the starting lineup could potentially look like for next season um, with Enrique, plus every all the players that we were mentioning that could be regular starters. I'm kind of getting a little bit optimistic. I think the key, and I wrote a piece on our Substack about injuries and some of the players that were signed. I think injuries are going to play a major role next season. If we can get mm-hmm. players back, if they can stay fit, then I think we've got a really good chance. Um, I think there's still work to do in this transfer window. Um, you mentioned a lot of the, the players who were rumored, but who knows? Maybe there's someone out in left field that um, PSG could come and sign. So we'll have to keep our eye mm-hmm. on that. Any last words, Ethan, before I let you run? Um, no, that's all I got. ECC Perry, I guess. There we are. All right, we'll catch you next time on the next episode. Thanks, Ethan. All right, thanks again, everyone out there, for listening to PSG Talking. Really appreciate you guys listening and supporting the show. Thank you to my guest, Drew. Thank you to my guest, Ethan. Really appreciate your insight. Um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. This is the end of the podcast. If you can, uh, make sure you check out PSGTalk.com. Um, for all of our latest breaking news, uh, head over to our Substack, pshetalk.substack.com, where you can subscribe for free. We're over a thousand subscribers, so thank you, everyone there. Um, we have columns from Jonathan Johnson as well as myself. It's just really a place for true PSG fans to go in there and just dive a little bit deeper, deeper into the latest topics, and we can really flush things out and, and give all of our perspectives. So make sure you go and visit us there. Follow us on social media and, and all that. We're everywhere. Um, and if you're ever interested and you want to write for us or maybe potentially come on as a guest, um, you can always shoot us a DM, tweet us, email, um, leave a comment on the website. You know how to get a hold of us. So um, anyway, thank you all for listening to PSG Talking. Once again, I'm your host, Ed. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.